We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Everybody is entitled to their 15 minutes of fame. Now you'll get to hear some of those people share their wisdom and insight on the fame game on Voice America Kids. Now here's your host, Maddie Rose. Welcome, everybody, to the Fame Game. I'm your host, Maddie Rose. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is John Higgins. So, John, how are you doing today? I'm fine, Maddie. Great to meet you. You, too. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on my radio show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, John. So, why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, I don't know that it's easy to do in a little bit. (laughs) A Um, nutshell. (laughs) Uh, I'm a retired deputy attorney general from the state of New Jersey. I was in the criminal division. I did uh, multiple of prosecutions throughout New Jersey. We were unique in that I had statewide jurisdiction, so I could do uh, prosecutions in any one of the New Jersey's 21 counties, and I actually in my career did prosecutions in 19 of them. So everything from a serial killer nurse who's been on TV (laughs) numerous times, uh, kind of a sad story, he confessed to murdering 29 of his patients, Um, had another nurse who murdered her husband, various other murders, uh, organized crime kind of cases with credit card rings, stealing cars and moving them halfway around the world to Ghana or (laughs) Ukraine. Um, So that's... That's one aspect of what I did in my life. I also filmed rock stars in the 80s. I started Rock Against Drugs with a friend of mine. Uh, filmed Phil Collins, Mike Rutherford, Frank Zappa. Uh, even filmed Grandpa Munster to be... <laughs> that was kind of a fun shoot. Um, produced a play for five years, going to uh, various high schools in New Jersey to try to stop or you know, quiet down the problem of biased crime in the state. Um, and then after I retired in 2010, I've been writing novels. So my first trilogy has been the Archangel Jeremiel and the War to Conquer Heaven. The fourth book in that series is with the publisher. And I've just finished uh, a novel, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a Russian spy novel. Very cool. Well, that's so interesting, John. And it looks like you've worn many hats during your life. And of course, I guess that, you know, being a prosecutor has kept you on your toes. Uh, Yes, it has. (laughs) You can say that. (laughs) Every case was different, had its own wrinkles. And you had to become an expert in almost everything you did. Because when you put on a trial, it's really like you produce a movie, I guess, or a play. Hmm, and you are the director and the star in many ways because you've got to coordinate everything and question, you know, your witnesses and question their witnesses and make sure it all flows. And there's a lot of background work that goes into that when you're investigating complex criminal enterprises because there's, you know, a lot of legal things you have to do like, uh, Search warrants, communication data warrants, wiretaps, that sort of thing. Very nice. Yes, it looks like a lot of pieces go into that. And I also hear, John, that you went to law school, of course. So tell me about that experience. How did you like that? Um, Law school was an advanced degree for me. Uh, How I wound up in, in law school was... I had taken an internship at the governor's office when I was finishing off my degree in psychology, 
and I was going to go on to clinical psych school. And the boss I had at the governor's office thought that I would be a better, a better fit as an attorney, and she was able to convince me to go to law school instead. So I went to law school at night while I worked full-time, first at the governor's office, and then I had switched over to the attorney general's office. I was part of the team that invented the concept of drug-free school zones, and they took off across the country. Actually, your state, Arizona, uh, had taken our law and passed it in the legislature, but they passed it verbatim. So they had to amend it a couple of days later and remove every reference to New Jersey <laughs> because <laughs> they hadn't clear, cleared up the problem of uh, inserting Arizona rather than New Jersey. Yes. Well, wow, that's an interesting little fact that I did not know, but that, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so funny how small the world is if you think about it. Right. And, and law school, so I, I would drive 120 miles a day. Uh, law school was four days a week, and you had to be finished in four and a half years. You can't spread that out. It's normally a three-year uh, course of study if you go full-time. And the reason it's only four and a half years is that the state of New York will not, ex- will not allow you into their bar if you take longer than that. And so it was kind of grueling, to be honest with you. The, the most interesting courses, I think, were more or less in the first year. After that, it became more of an endurance contest of maybe keeping your eyes open. Sure. Uh, a lot of technical stuff. Um, the nice thing about going at night, though, is that we were not, like, cutthroat among ourselves. We were very supportive of one another because we were all working as well. So uh, it was a lot of camaraderie. It was, just a, it was just a long process. I think that you could probably do law school in a, in a different way. There's, there's been discussions about changing how law school is, you know, conducted. Because most people come out really can't practice law. It's not not like a practical education. You then have to take other courses to get up to speed to, to actually practice. For sure. And I'm really glad that, you know, we're kind of having this personal uh, moment about where you're telling us about your experience in law school, because the only way that I could relate to law, I mean, I did at one point in my life have an aspiration to become a lawyer. And although I've changed my field of interest, I do know some people um, have some very close friends that are in law school. And it's so funny. If you go on social media, even if you look up the hashtag, why did I go to law school? A lot of stuff pops up (laughs) because it's an endurance thing, like you said, exactly. Exactly what you said. Oh, I, I have to say, I think one of the worst courses was the UCC. It's Uniform Commercial Code, and you'll see once really? in a while on <laughs> Facebook or the internet that somebody is trying to protect their rights and their content in their uh, in their posts by quoting, you know, UCC section whatever. <laughs> the UCC is really about how you how businesses enter into contracts with one another and what they what what happens with your clothes if you don't pick them up from the dry cleaner wow so i always crack up when i see this ucc thing it's like oh my god this has got nothing to do with what you're doing (laughs) it's just funny everybody utilizes it in some way shape or form so hey law school is involved in many facets i believe (laughs) right and but as much as I, i i just kind of bashed it a bit the great thing about law school is that it changes the way you think about things. You become very compartmentalized. 
that each issue has to be dealt with on its own. And there has to be some kind of phrasing of what the problem is and then what the, the uh, statute would say in so, some circumstances or what the case law, the direction or findings that has happened, sometimes over, you know, a hundred and some odd years, so then you can get to your conclusion on it. So it has a tendency of clearing up muddy thinking and and in that in that regard i found it very very valuable that's very great yes i've heard from many law students that that's the overlying benefit of the doubt is that it changes the way that you think and you just kind of have a whole new perspective as you were saying it kind of makes your head tick a little bit more yeah and and not not to try to coerce you into law school but i will tell you the the deciding factor for me was that Law is about the only advanced degree that you can get does not trap you into a field. You can do almost anything with a law degree. You know, if you get a Ph.D. in psychology, you can either teach psychology, become a therapist, or do research in psychology. You really can't break away from the field. But in law, you can do everything from entertainment-type things to, you know, I guess even writing contracts for rocket scientists. Hmm. Very interesting. And I don't mean to go on too much of a tangent, but I see in your bio it says that among the all, all the hats that you wear in your life, you can also scuba dive and pilot an airplane, which I just think is a fun thing to throw out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I started college, believe it or not, at University of Miami. I was going to go for marine biology. And in the days that I went, to learn to how, to how to scuba dive, you were basically taught by Navy SEALs. It no was a way. grueling experience. <laughs> Um, you had to tread water using just your arms for 15 minutes and using just your feet for 15 minutes. You had to swim underwater from one length of the pool to the other. It was it was quite tough. Uh, I took a course again later because of all the new technology, which is so much easier with buoyancy vests and that sort of thing. And pilot uh, flying lessons I started when I was 14. Um, couldn't drive a car. But I could fly a plane. <laughs> better. Even better. Yep. So. That's awesome. No, I think it's great that you've definitely expanded um, your interests in different fields all around. And that's why it kind of brings me back to the point about, you know, you being an author and a writer. And I just kind of wonder, you know, after doing all of this and going to law school and you name it, uh, what truly inspired you to start writing? Well, you know, I've always I've always written one in one form or another. Uh, you know, you can't be a lawyer and not be writing. I've written hundreds and hundreds of briefs and memos, and I've written laws, uh, governmental reports, that sort of thing. But the the nice thing about writing a novel is that you get to create your own universe and your own creatures within it. The 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 way I got to the to the angels was, um, you're going to think I'm a little crazy, but my father died before I was three in a car accident, and I had seen angels like debating in, in the bedroom for a, a few weeks before he died, and then after he died, I didn't see them again. And as, as I grew up, I was, I was sent to, you know, Polish Catholic school. Nobody in my family spoke Polish, so that was a little bit of a tricky business. Oh, gosh. Uh, and I was looking for the book that 
tells the story of the angels. And everywhere I looked, I couldn't find the book. We all have in our heads that, you know, I call him Luciferell because the E-L at the end of an angel's name means of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was looking for the, the Lucifer story, more or less, and I could not find it. The only thing that existed was John Milton's Paradise Lost. I don't know, Matt, did you ever read Paradise Lost? I didn't, I'll be honest, I did not. <laughs> well, you didn't miss anything because you can't understand it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because it's in Old English and very elaborate in the poetry, and so it's it's hard to, to follow. And and I think the thing that made me stop with the, the, the Milton story was that he has the angels battling one another using cannons. Now... <laughs> Why right. a being of light would use a cannon to shoot at one another in the heavens just seems a little silly to me. But, you know, in the 13th or 14th or 15th century, whenever he wrote the the poem, you know, that was their weaponry. So I decided that, well, if nobody else has really told this story, I'm going to research it and see what I can find. So I started researching everything I could find on angels and and particularly the book of Genesis in the Bible. And there's really interesting stories that, that Genesis starts to tell you about, but cuts off. You know that there's two creation stories in Genesis for mankind? I did not. The first one has God creating, you know, man and woman equally without the rest of the story, and, and, and it stops, and then two paragraphs later, it starts again and, and gives you the typical Adam and Eve story that we all know, right? Yes, interesting. And the interesting thing about the first version is that there's an old Hebrew myth that it was not Adam and Eve that were the first man and woman, but it was Adam and a woman named Lilith that was the first woman. So that fascinated me to, to no end. And if you research the Lilith myth, according to that story, Lilith does not get along with Adam. And, you know, the uh, I'm trying to say this delicately, is that she leaves Adam because he will not let her have intercourse with him, with her in the dominant position on top. Now, I didn't make that up. That's in their myth. And she runs off then with the demons. God then sends uh, archangels down to kill her. And she cuts a deal with the angels that if they don't kill her, she will not harm any child born under their sign or their protection. And I guess that was how they explained sudden infant death syndrome back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought that was fascinating. And then, of course, Adam and Eve is fascinating on 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 you know a number of levels but what got me with the beings of light that's that's what the, I call the angels it seems that they exist before Adam and Eve are created right why would why else would Lucifer be around tempting or Satan would be tempting you know mankind it means they were created first um, mankind is a foul up in other words we do not follow directions well so we eat the apple and whatever and create our own our own mess but the angels not only do they not follow directions they actually rebel and they try to take over 
Hmm. Of course, fascinated me even more so. <laughs> of course. No, it sounds like a very interesting plot line overall. And the story, like you said, there's just so many different ways and directions to take it and look at it. Uh, and it's just very, very fascinating and creative that you are able to create your own Archangel book. And so we're going to go ahead and talk more about that in our next segment. But it is time for us to take a break. So keep it right here. You're listening to The Fame Game. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the Tech Team, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Maddie Rose and the Fame Game on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fame Game. I'm your host, Maddie Rose, and we're back with John Higgins. So, John, you have a very interesting life, and you've done many, many things, and you were just describing, you know, what motivated you to write your book series. And so we're kind of talking a little bit more about that, but I want you to kind of get into the meat of what exactly your story is about. Meaning my life story? Meaning your book series. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were like, well, <laughs> where do I begin? <laughs> well, with the, like I was saying, with the, that was the background of, of how I, I approached that, the, the angel story. Yes. So there were a lot of decisions I had to make when I started to write the, the angels. When you do a lot of research on it, you see that there's a wide berth of different views and, and different approaches to what angels were. The Catholic version has, I, I believe, like nine different species of angels that are kicking around, 14, 14 to 20-some-odd archangels. There's numerous names. They are very confused in terms of what the classifications are. So I had to make decisions in terms of who belonged where and what their structure would be. So I decided that there would be seven levels of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. We all hear about the seven heavens. This is true. And the nine species of angels. There would be thrones. There would be archangels. Well, thrones, seraphim, archangels, uh, oh, cherubim. You have virtues. Then you have dominions. You have principalities. And then you have potentates. And then you have guardians. So you, you can see how complex that universe yes. starts to become, <laughs> and and so it gave me a wide berth, excuse me, a wide berth of things that I could I could play with, and that's why what I had originally written that I thought was one book I was going to do a trilogy. First book was going to be the the war, you know, to conquer heaven. The second was going to be the war to conquer hell, and the third was going to be the war to conquer earth, but. What I thought was 400 pages turned out to be 770 when it wow. was formatted correctly. 
so that's why the first trilogy is what I call it is really what was book one to me and it really takes place in the heavens there's like I said there's seven different levels of heaven there's earth there's the garden of Eden uh, there's pyramids there's the history of the dinosaurs within it uh, it's it's pretty elaborate and uh, the angels kind of split up, the archangels kind of split up into two different camps, the ones who follow Luciferel, and then the ones that are more so with Michael. My main character angel is Jeremiel. He's the fourth born or created uh, when God creates the angels on the second day, because, of course, he created light. That would have been the time he created beings of light. And the archangel Jeremiel actually falls in love with Lilith. So I take the Lilith story, and I really kind of admire Lilith because she's very independent. <laughs> and and so the, the two of them, basically, the whole theme throughout the whole series will be the love story between Jeremiel and Lilith. Hmm. Well, I love the story so far. It, it just sounds so interesting. That's and fascinating. I mean, you definitely did your research in order to make it elaborate. And you said that the first book was 400 and something pages, correct? Yes. And so was that challenging for you to write all of those pages? Or are you kind of one of those people that can just sit down and literally just go at it? Yeah, I kind of literally go at it. Uh, you know, that, that again comes back from my legal training. That's when... a talent, though. It is. It is a talent because some people struggle to write one page, if you can imagine. And, I mean, it's great to have that that knack for that is just, you know, sitting down and writing a whole bunch. Well, and, and, you know, the neat thing about writing novels is that, like I said, it almost becomes like a meditative state that you go into because – uh, for me, and I, I've told that my writing is very visual, is that I actually see what I'm writing about, you know, in my mind's eye. And the characters became real to me. And and, and that, that, too, is kind of a fascinating thing. And I'll, I'll jump just ahead a little bit. When I, what became book three, because the deal I had, I had a publisher who wanted the book as it was, but... I, I wasn't comfortable with the publisher. They seemed like a little, uh, I don't know, nervous. And <laughs> so way. the other publisher who, who, who read it, they, they loved the story. They thought it was, it was great, but the book was too big for them. So they said if I could do it and break it into multiple volumes, they'd be very, you know, even more interested, and then they would publish it. So I had to go back. I could pull books one and two out of those 770 pages easily, and then I had to expand book three. A lot of the story was in there. It just wasn't expanded as dramatically. And, uh, and so anyway, when I get to the end of book three, what I thought was going to be the ending my archangel Jeremiel did something I did not expect him to do, and it really fit much better than what was my original idea. So, it, it, the creative process is, is, is just a fascinating thing. Well, yes, of course, and I was just going to say, too, on, on top of that, you know, creative writing, like you mentioned, is just such a broad playing field that you can literally make it anything that you want to make it. So the fact that you had a plan, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, once we come up on new thoughts and, you know, new beginnings, then you kind of find, again, another way to start a new story. <laughs> yes. And, and each character f finds its own voice, which is, is really a fascinating process to me as well. 
Because, again, coming back from a, a world where I wrote, you know, legal briefs and whatever, I didn't really get to create the scenarios. I, I know that people think that lawyers were very, well, prosecutors sometimes. They think we're creative that uh, I used to joke, it's not like I would sit at my desk with the criminal code in one hand and run my finger down there and find a statute <laughs> and then put my hand in the telephone book and find somebody. Yes. <laughs> They've, they've made whatever the, uh, the error of their ways, or they committed the crime or whatever, and then you have to deal with what that is. So that's like everything is set for you. When you go into the creative world, it, you, like you said, it is so wide open that you can do many, many things. Yes, and I will be excited to try that at some point in time. It's funny because after taking so many different writing classes, because I absolutely love writing and I am going to be a communications major, um, they told me, you know, that you got really, you got pretty good writing. You should probably consider doing a creative writing class. And so ever since somebody commented about that, and I'm finding more and more people in my life that, you know, are saying that there is a beauty to creative writing that I might just have to try it out myself to experience at once. Yes, and, and if, you can, if you can express yourself, particularly as a communications major, I mean, that's really the, the whole purpose of that, that, you know, if, if you can get your thoughts organized in a way that, that other people can follow what you think and what kind of stories interest you, I really believe that when you're a creative writer, you should be writing the story you want to read People who chase the market and that kind of thing, I don't think they ever do well. You've, you've really got to get your own voice and you've got to get your own, uh, your own interests in that. And if you write it that way, people will catch on to your own enthusiasm about the subject. Absolutely. And I just wanted to comment on, too, what you were saying about being such a visual writer. Again, that's not necessarily a problem, of course, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do that, be a visual writer, because some people struggle with that. Um, But I am one of those people, I admit, that when I do read a book, I kind of create the characters in my head and I make it as to, like, what I would visualize. And then, of course, when movies come out, I'm like, I didn't necessarily picture that character looking that way or possibly acting that way, if you know what I mean. Yes, and that's why a lot of people are disappointed with the movies, because it does not capture the richness. Because if you think about reading a novel, it's really like a partnership between the reader and the writer. You know, the writer's problem always is, is how much information to give you so that you, you really flesh out the character the way you want it. Because if you read a, a book that's way too detailed or whatever, the brain starts to turn off, I think. It's, it's, it's like you do this partnership when you go through you know, the, the story of a novel. And then when you see what a, a film director's version of it is, it's, it's not quite the same. I have to say that you know, I read Lord of the Rings back in high school, and it was such a fascinating, well-done story. And I know they kept trying to make a movie out of it. They tried a cartoon and yes. whatever. But I, I, I've always been so impressed with uh, director Jackson, with what he did with Lord of the Rings. That was just so fascinating in his movie series. Yes, and I think it's phenomenal, though, when, you know, directors and producers actually take into account the actual novel itself and really try to stay true to that. I commend that because, like you were saying, there's just some type of originality to it, but at the same time, you're still being respectful of the author and what they envisioned firsthand. And again, that partnership, of course, you always want to respect, too, and it just makes it that much better for you. Yes. 
and I, I don't know of, of very many other films that I've seen that have that that sort of you know tie-in. I mean, the, the James Bond movies were like that for me as a kid. I come from the Sean Connery days, sure, and you know that was that was a much better rendition of of the the actor than many of the ones who followed. I like Daniel Craig in the in the. But they shouldn't be Bond films. They should be 009 or something. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it, they're, they're, it's a great movie and a great storyline, but he's not the right guy. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, I think it's just so interesting. I am one of those people, again, time and time again, where I will say, I'm like, this isn't necessarily the same in that book. Or, you know, you just kind of, again, you go back to the point where you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to stick with the book. I'm just a hardcore lover of this book, and there's nothing that's going to change that. Yes, and it, and if it's a good book, you know, when it, to me, to me, my problem was, for, I don't know, maybe... Maybe after I, I started reading, I read very fast. I always did read very fast. That's good. So <laughs> when I would select a book to read, uh, I always got the thickest book I could get my hands on because what always happened to me was that as soon as I would get you know, into the, into the character, the setting, the place, and whatever, I'd be done with the book, and I'd be disappointed. Oh, wow. So you know, some of those books you have to reread to get that feeling again, and I think a real good book you can read more than once. Yes, and then we also find books where they are series and we're clawing to get the next one. <laughs> yes, and, and if you're invested in the characters, it, it's a shame to see them go. So, you know, it's, 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 part of the, it's part of the great thing about, you know, writing. I always loved Anne Rice's vampires. I thought that they were, they too were fascinating creatures. Wonderful. Well, that's also very exciting to share. And with that being said, John, we are going to have to take another quick little break. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Fame Game. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Maddie Rose and the Fame Game on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fame Game. We're still here with John, and we're having a lot of fun talking about his book series. And like I was saying over the break, John, I'm just so excited to read your book because, honestly, I won't say that I judge a book by its cover, but I definitely do take into account, you know, the storyline, the plot line, what's it about, and if I'm going to have any interest in it. And I think that I might just be interested in your book. <laughs> wow, that's great. I, the artist who did the, the covers for my book were, was phenomenal. I, I am so happy with what they came up with the the publisher decided to make the three books so that if you put the three together it creates a picture <laughs> oh good that's awesome it's called the triptych 
Mm. Which I, you know, with all my learnedness, I never heard of a triptych before. But. I mean, I haven't heard it either, if that makes you feel any better, but I know it now, so that's all that matters, right? <laughs> that's right. But, you know, and, and that, I'll tell you, that was one of the other problems that I had describing the angels, because as beings of light, I mean, how do you differentiate them? It's not like one wears a scarf, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one's got an eye patch. <laughs> Yes. No, I can see I can see the challenge in doing that, you know, when you actually have to illustrate something for your book and make it quote unquote come to life. That's when things start getting to the nitty gritty details that people pay attention to and they kind of, you know, base their own visual images off of. Right. So so what I really decided to do with the archangels was that I made I made the ridges of the the outline of their their wings in different colors depending on which angel it was. And, you know, the hair color, eye color, I, I would, you know, change from one angel to the other. So there was some way of differentiating them. For sure. And collectively, how long did your series take to make? Oh, uh, I, I, I started writing in maybe, uh, maybe December of 2011, and it was published in December of 2012. So, um, but that doesn't take into account all the various thing I, things I read over the years. Um, some of the research I had done, I had started before. Uh, actually, I even retired. So, uh, you know, I had a, I had a lot of that knowledge like kicking around. I had a couple of false starts that I had played with over the years. Uh, I really couldn't write novels in my position because my my division superiors in criminal justice would have had to read the novel to make sure I wasn't leaking some kind of secret information, I guess. Sure. And I had enough trouble with them editing my, uh, my legal briefs. I had some bosses that were keen on changing happy to glad and glad to happy. So I certainly was not going to expose <laughs> creative writing to them. Yes, no, that's an interesting story. But I think you did it in a pretty timely manner, if I say so myself, though, because like I said, it can take people, I've heard people span 10 years on writing novels and you name it. So the fact that you were able to do that, and of course, you did all that research beforehand, it definitely paid off. Right. Well, the the last novel I wrote was probably about four months all right. So, I mean, that's fast to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, once I once I get something fairly clear in my head, then you know, I, I don't know if you know. There's there's two different theories in writing. There's the outliners, and there's what's known as the pantsers, that they write by the seat of their pants. <laughs> yes. And I probably do a combination of the two. Uh, I will do. I will start writing to a, a certain point, maybe the first you know three four chapters, and then. And then once I have some of the characters more clearly defined in my mind by doing that, then, then I will do like a rough outline. And th- so I know where I'm going. That makes it a lot easier. And, and, then, and then I just fill in the gaps. And then some days I might think that I'm going to be writing Chapter 6, but what's in my head, in my, in my way that day, is Chapter 33. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so I write Chapter 33. Yes, No, I I like your strategy a lot, though. I think it's very unique, and it works for you, and that's the most important part, is finding a strategy that does work for you, and it has given you much success so far, and I have to say, as somebody, again, who's wanting to possibly try out creative writing, you're definitely giving me some helpful tips. 
Yeah, and and everybody has that day, those days where it's hard for, it, and nothing comes out right. And on those days, you know, some people say that you're supposed to force your way through and write anyway. I learned in my office that if I was having trouble writing a brief or whatever, that I would do something else for that day because all that does is frustration, and you, you throw away most of what you wrote anyway. So you do something else. Yes. But, you know, you don't get too far away from it that you don't do it for three months, if, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And, right. And, and, and at the end of the day, everything is written one, you know, one word, one sentence, one paragraph at a time. And if, if you're going to take on this kind of uh, endeavor, I would also say to you that uh, don't, don't be critical of what you're writing. Just write it. Because that, that you can't edit what isn't on the paper. One of the, you know, I, I, I'm a, a Bond aficionado anyway. I read all of Ian Fleming's original Bond books. And so I really liked his writing style. He's not flowery. It's pretty direct and whatever. And I had read a quote by him. He said, if, if I read what I wrote the day before, I would have given up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point to make. I feel like I'm one of those people, again, I'm guilty, that I do am very, am very critical about my writing. And when I show other people, whether, you know, it be for a college English class and your professor's like, Maddie, it's fine. <laughs> right. And, and, and you'll, you'll be surprised how many people will like the way you express it. Think of all, you know, I, I don't know that, I don't know how much you've read, but you seem pretty well read for someone your age to begin with, that, you know, all these people have, have written in many different styles. It's, it's what your style is, and if you can tell a story within that, I mean, some people are very good at writing very complex dialogue. Some people, you know, you even see some TV series, they, the, the dialogue is like Shakespearean in its elegance. But at, you have other stuff where, you know, it's pretty straightforward and, and, and sometimes crude. But that's what works for that writer. And that's why you really have to be true to yourself when you do these sort of things. Yes, voice is very, very important. It has been stressed to me multiple times, um, especially through academic papers. Sometimes you can sound a little bit too academic and you don't want to lose that voice. And I imagine it's the same thing when writing a novel. You obviously want to have your voice in there somehow in some way. And like you said, through reading all the different novels through school and whatnot, I have just experienced so many different writing styles that I've now come to open my mind to more of them and see which pieces I like best. Right. And, and, and like I say, with finding your own voice, that's the way you're going to be comfortable about expressing yourself. And that, that takes a little bit of time because you've got you've to keep writing before that, that kind of fits in right. You've got to get comfortable with it. Because I think, I think the big thing about writing something that's relatively long is the intimidation that, you, first of all, you won't finish. You know, second, that what you're writing isn't sounding right or this idea isn't any good. You know, all of those sorts of things. And I have found that almost everything I've written, even the stuff I have edited out, has, has had use in something else. So I, I, always, I always keep... You know, uh, constant 
you know, like other file with the stuff that I remove so I keep it. <laughs> because you don't know that it isn't, you know, helpful in another story. Well, I like that you pointed that out because I feel like as critical writers, uh, time and time again, we'll just throw it out and that's the end of the story. And then you kind of think to yourself, you're like, dang it, that kind of would have made a good point, you know, at, at some point in time when you are writing. So I like that. That is a good tip. Yeah. And and some of that comes from writing legal briefs, too, because if you've gone through the, the, the complex argument about something and then you find out, oh, I don't know, this really isn't helping me, <laughs> and you have to take it out, you, you, you'll be surprised that there's another case that comes along. You know, that fit a lot better here. And then you're, you're kicking yourself that you destroyed it. Sure. And it all goes back to that one statement that you made earlier in one of our first segments about, you know, the fact that not everything goes as planned, but that's okay because it can be turned into a way that does work for you. Yes. And the other thing you'll find if, if, you, if you take on this endeavor is that sometimes you will hit like, like this place that you go, oh, my God, I don't know where to go from here. Or I've got myself boxed into a corner and I don't know how to get out of it. Uh, I really believe that even when you aren't writing, that your subconscious mind is always working on it. And I know that there were many times, like at 3 o'clock in the morning, my eyes would pop open. I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's that moment that you just realized everything fit together. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, no, no, I need to go to the left here. <laughs> That's what I said, those epiphanies. this other character needs to pop in now. (laughs) Yes, it's amazing what you can find, you know, when you're in the moment. Um, And I mean, I can imagine writer's block is a real thing, like you said, and sometimes you just have to take your mind off of things. But it's great when you get to experience those epiphany moments when you're just like, oh, I get it now. And it kind of encourages you to just keep going and keep moving and continue on with what you're doing. That's right. And and actually those are the moments that 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 encourage you even more because it's it's almost uh, I don't know again that sounds mystical it it's almost like you get a message from the divine the other mm-hmm. thing i will say when i was writing the the angel books was that every time i would go into a bookstore or i would go into a library or some place where there was reading material there would be something about the angels that would stand out to me where it shouldn't have i shouldn't even have seen it and and that was kind of messages to me that this is what i was supposed to be doing i i have you know the satellite radio in the car and the one car i had it it's kind of expired and you know i I was i didn't use that car very much so i didn't pay much attention to it so i renew it and when i get in the car that that night to go go someplace when i turn on the radio and it starts of course you know my i've told you lilith was an important character yes the the dj goes and this song is about lilith And he goes, the only Lilith I know was a character in uh, the Frasier TV show. I think it was his wife. And I'm going, oh, no, no, I know a whole other Lilith. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, what are the odds of that? I know. It's crazy sometimes how things work. You just kind of put it to yourself and you're like, hmm, makes you think. (laughs) Right. In this last novel I wrote, one of the... One of the, the dangerous things that they're, they're combating about is militarized robots. And, and now, every time I'm going on the computer, they're talking about some kind of robot. And, 
you know, I, I find that that's fascinating. I sometimes think that we tap into uh, what Carl Jung called the collective unconscious, which I see as a like a like a spiritual uh, stream of information that flows through. Do you know the story of Alexander Graham Bell with the telephone? I've heard of it before, but I think for any of us that have are not familiar with it, maybe you can go over it. Well, he, he invents right a, a way of communicating electronically across wires. So he goes and he files uh, the patent for it in Washington D.C. Now, before before that, nobody had any of that. The, the best they were doing with the telegraph, with the did 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 kind of thing. Yes, around 1880 or something. Mm-hmm. That same day. Another individual, and I can't, re- I don't know the guy's name at this point, had filed a- another patent that was almost identical to his. Hmm. Now, what are the odds that two men, <laughs> you know, 1,880 years after the, the birth of Christ or the Common Era, come up with the same invention and file the papers on the same day, neither one knowing of the existence of the other? That is very ironic. It doesn't happen very often, I'd have to say. <laughs> no, but that's why I say I think that there is this kind of knowledge thing that that kicks around. Uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been doing some other radio work with a, a woman who, you know, she wanted to tap my brain in terms of my political experience. Sure. And you know, a, a year and a half ago, we were talking about you know a lot of the things that are in the campaign this year. And, you know, the fundamental unfairness in terms of, you know, all the money in politics and that. And then sure as, <laughs> sure as hell, the next thing I know, they're all talking about it. <laughs> That's so interesting, John. Well, with that being said, it is time for a break again. So let's go ahead and take that break. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Fame Game. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the Tech Team, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Maddie Rose and the Fame Game on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fame Game. So we're finally in our last segment. Like they say, time flies when you're having fun. And, John, I only have a few more questions for you. And one of my questions is, and I think you briefly touched on it, is would you say that your law experience uh, has helped you in writing in some capacity? Oh yeah, because you when I when I write my novels, if if you get to the point that you read them, there are multiple storylines that that weave in and weave out, and they come together at the end, and and that really comes from a lot of my legal training in terms of like I 
said in the beginning of able to isolate different you know issues or different sets of characters so that I see things more in you know uh, like a category kind of way that you you're able to to maneuver within them and keep everything clear absolutely and also, my other question is, what would you consider your favorite part about being an author? If you could select one piece, would it be the final product, the actual writing process? What would you have to say on that note? I, I think it's the writing process. It really is meditative. I will lose track of time. <laughs> I can start some days at 10 in the morning, and the next thing I know, it's 2 in the morning the next day. Yes. Well, I absolutely love, you know, the fact that you are passionate about writing. And I think that that's what I commend most to authors is that they definitely get invested in in their piece of work, their product. And you can definitely feel that because, like you said, it creates an elaborateness of a plot line or you can just see the characters more. So it's amazing how it all works out in the end. Yes, I agree. And I, and I think it's a you know, I don't know if it's for everybody, but for for people who really, you know, have the, that creative spark, it's, it's easier than making a movie because you're really in control of the whole thing. For sure, I can imagine. <laughs> and you don't have to worry that the actor's doing your lines wrong. <laughs> yes, or you want them to look a certain way and all those fine details. That's right. Yes, when with writing, there's a way that you can manipulate it to work for you and what you want it to come out. And uh, again, it all comes back to voice, you know, voicing who you are as a writer, but then also keeping true to your characters and your plot line, especially if you have a series, I can imagine. Uh, there's some way, shape, or form that you want to collectively, you know, group those all together. Right. And I also believe that if, if, if you really fall in love with your own characters when you're writing them, doing a series is really not that difficult because you want to, you, you want to see what happens to that character over time and under different circumstances of, of how they cope with, you know, whatever obstacle you put in front of them. And, and the more interesting characters you can, I mean, you really mess with them. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. putting stranger and stranger, you know, obstacles in front of them. Yes, absolutely. Well, John, for everybody who would love to check your book out, how can we go ahead and do that? Uh, I have a website that's probably the easiest way is www.john, J-O-H-N, dash J, dash Higgins, H-I-G-G-I-N-S dot com. And I'm on Amazon. Uh, the books are available. You have to order them through Barnes & Noble. If you put John J. Higgins author or John J. Higgins archangel on the Internet, I've got page after page of different things I've done. So it'll pop up pretty easily on that. I'm on Facebook. It's uh, I don't know how to do all of that, but it's John dot. Higgins.737 will get you there. Type in Archangel Jeremy. I have a Facebook page for that. I'm on Twitter at John J. Higgins ESQ. So I'm, I'm around. Perfect. <laughs> well, I like to hear that. Very social person. <laughs> yes, I try to be. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on my show once again and sharing with us your lovely book series. I really encourage everybody to check it out, and I know I will definitely be looking into it. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Maddie. It's been a real pleasure meeting you, and best of luck. Thank you so much, John. All right. Well, with that being said, that's our show for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you next week. Thank you.
you again for listening to The Fame Game on the Voice America Kids channel. Be sure to join Maddie Rose again next week for another great show. Listen, the later it gets, you're listening to Voice America Kids.